This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you could learn to work and play, and get along with each other. Welcome, everybody, to Wednesday Wargames, episode number 38. I am not joined by my forever co-host, Liam. You may have seen a tweet-slash-discord message this week that said the episode would be pretty late this week, but more than likely, it would feature both me and Liam. Sadly, that's not the case. Liam is not here. Liam has abandoned you. Though the episode is quite late, the late part of that tweet was true. The Liam part of that tweet is untrue. Liam is still moving. Liam is still inconvenienced at the moment so you just have to deal with me i know that's upsetting the better part of the podcast is not here this week it's just me and it's probably gonna be pretty short as we whiz through these shows in pretty rapid speed but fighter fest night 2 and great american bash night 2 both decent shows neither great shows i thought they were both pretty solid i thought both had had good points but other than that it was a pretty pretty by the numbers week for a pay-per-view adjacent week and let's get into it let's start with AEW because they won last week we're gonna have a bit of a constitutional crisis if because usually it's three votes it's my vote your vote Liam's vote but now it's just my vote and your vote listeners and if I if we disagree it's gonna be a draw though something tells me we probably won't disagree. AEW opened with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defeating Private Party to retain the AEW World Titan Championships. A solid match, a decent match, a slightly worse, I would have said, than the, than the Best Friends match last week, which I didn't love either. So I was like, this is a solid, middle-of-the-road good match that you'll never think about again in your life. Uh, Private Party still need work, they still need time. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega are still a very good team, even if they've had two probably slightly on the disappointing side tag team t- title matches in the last two weeks. But alas, Kenny Omega is still probably the best wrestler in the world, and by the fact that Hangman Page has been in most of the same matches as Kenny Omega this year, that means Hangman Page is also one of the best wrestlers in the world. What a weird year! This wonderful pandemic year, where who's good, who's bad, there's no way of knowing, because we're in a pandemic and everything is kind of bad. Except the stuff that's good. Joy Janela faced Lance Archer, Lance Archer won... I thought Archer might have sold a little too much for Janela here, but it's a good match. They had a good match. Uh, probably a really good match. I love Lance Archer. Lance Archer is one of the most like believable, dominant wrestlers in AEW. Everything he does has like snap and urgency, and he's he's just there. He's present at all times as this guy who just wants to kick his opponent's ass. And he's so enjoyable to watch. You watch a lot of wrestlers these days, and they're just, they're going through the motions. They're just doing their stuff. They don't have the same, like, oomph. They don't have the same push to do everything with that, like, sense of urgency, that sense that they're trying to win the match at every turn. It's just like, and now I'm going to lock on a headlock. And then you're like, why? Why are you doing this to the audience where Archer is there? He's there the whole time. Sunny Kiss got involved. Archer actually uh, threw Sunny Kiss into the ring at the start of the match. 450 splash, kick out. 450 splash from Sunny Kiss, by the way, not from Joy Janela. Archer eventually hit a blackout through a table at ringside and then pinned him. Uh, Archer, the best thing on this show. Like, legitimately, he might be the best thing on AEW Dynamite. I love Lance Archer so much. He's so good on the show. 
Taz unveiled the FTW Championship, presented it to his client, Brian Cage. I hate this. Like, I really hate this. I hate the way they're making wrestlers kind of weird offshoot versions of their managers, or at least they're tethering the wrestlers to the nostalgia of their managers. Cody is basically a walking WCW tribute act. A ton of what Lance Archer does is based around the snake. There was even a freaking snake interference spot in the match against... Uh, Joy Janelle in the last match and like the entire build to Cody and Archer was freaking based around Aaron Anderson and Jake Roberts and plus they did that snake spot with Brandy Rhodes and now Brian Cage is just some weird mini me Taz he does the Taz catchphrase he comes out to music inspired by Taz he now has Taz's fake title and I'm just like stop making Brian Cage some kind of weird offshoot Bush League version of Taz they're not the same wrestler. They shouldn't be doing that. It was bad when they decided to do that with Samoa Joe in 2009 in TNA. And it's bad deciding to do that with Brian Cage in 2020. Plus, the FTW title is something nobody really cares about. Let's not pretend that that's relevant in 2020. Let's get ECW and 90s nostalgia out of here. Let's, I have no objection to these people being managers. I think Taz is a great promo. And Brian Cage is a guy who needs someone to cut his promos for him. So you either do one of two things with Brian Cage you make him a silent killer or you give him a manager i have no problem with them giving taz as brian cage's manager but making brian cage all about taz's nostalgia is so bad stop doing it make brian cage his own man taz should be there to amplify who brian cage is not dictate it cage and moxley's next week i'm interested to see how they do that match and whether like they'll go for a cheap finish it's in their dna they'll try and get too cute with it but I'm not sure what they'll do because Brian Cage shouldn't be losing clean. You shouldn't have booked this match this early, but they did. So we'll see how that goes. And then the best match on either of these two shows, we're not going to adhere to format because Liam isn't here. Match of the week is the Young Bucks and FTR against the Lucha Bros and uh, the Butcher and the Blade. Great match. Really great match. Top-notch stuff. The Lucha Bros have this like chaotic energy. It's the opposite of Private Party where Private Party have this kind of weird sloppy chaos. Whereas... Lucha Bros can have that same sloppy chaos, but it works. It has this like tangible, kinetic energy that you feel every bit of momentum that they build up. It's just chaos in the best kind of way. And they're sorely missed on this show, especially Phoenix. Like, Phoenix is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He is one of the most entertaining wrestlers in the world to watch. And he is he is a gift on this show. Him and Nick Jackson did a spot where they did the rope spot where they pull each other up into the rope and then into, he did a Frankenstein. They occasionally do that into a Spanish fly as well. And they left to the top of the ropes at the same time. And I was like... The balance and timing required to do that is absolutely mind-blowing. Like, seriously. That could have went wrong in so many ways. But these are two, Nick Jackson and Phoenix are two extraordinary pro wrestlers. And this was an extraordinary pro wrestling match. A true, like, a great match. Like, a properly great match. And again, you can only imagine if there was a crowd there, they would have been going absolutely bonkers for this. Oh, the COVID era has taken these, like... Like, this was a four-star match in and of itself. And it probably would have been a five-star match with a crowd. And that's what the COVID era has taken from us. These wonderful five-star matches. Like, legitimately, this would have been five-star adjacent anyway. If not for COVID-19. We have been robbed. We are being deprived. Gah. It's the least of the troubles of the world right now. That wrestling, which didn't even stop for a second for COVID, is a little worse than it should be. But still, I'll complain nonetheless. 
Nyla Rose had a squash. She has a big announcement that she has a manager too. Didn't say who it is. We'll find out. Lots of managers in AEW at the moment. Cole Cabana was backstage being interviewed and he had this giant bruise like all over his body and it's like, did you get caught in a meat grinder? What happened to you? But the Dark Order and Cole Cabana defeated SEU, furthering the story that they're telling that uh, Cole Cabana is adjacent to the Dark Order and might be joining, question mark. I don't think he will because that's a really weird fit, but that's the story they're telling. That's the direction they're going. I assume probably building to a Brody League against Colcabana match at some stage or another. And that brings us to our main event. Chris Jericho defeated Orange Cassidy with the Judas Effect in a really good match. Again, this match would have been probably something special with an audience, but without one, I think it was just a really good match. Just a really good match, mind you. God forbid. No, it was. It wasn't quite great, but and they hyped it up as like the the best match of Chris Jericho's career and one of the best TV matches you'd ever see. And it wasn't even the best match on this television show. Never mind the one of the best TV matches you'll ever see in your life. So that's AEW keep doing that. It's like save your hyperbole for when it's true. Otherwise, people won't believe you. Like, this match got massacred against the NXT main event in the ratings, and I'm not going to say, I think a little part of it is because AEW's hype machine has built up the John Moxley against Jake Hager match as, quote-unquote, the best empty arena match that you're ever going to see in your life, and you're like, eh, no. In fact, it was one of the less enjoyable empty arena matches you'd ever see in your life. I think AEW have lost a little bit of promotional trust. Like, people, when they say something, I don't think people believe them, and that is a problem. In the hobby... It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off 
a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You gotta save that hyperbole, those 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 superlatives until they actually count. Otherwise, people just won't believe you, and then people won't tune in. But Jericho won. They did the baseball bat shots, kickouts. Best friends in LAX got involved, but eventually Orange went for the Superman punch. Jericho sidestepped it and hit him with the Judas effect, and Jericho defeated Orange Cassidy. I think Jericho needs to go away for a while. Because, like, Inner Circle are in this weird space at the moment, where obviously Sammy is missing because he's suspended. And then Hager and LAX just keep losing, and then Jericho feels a little overexposed. So I feel like if, if Jericho went away for a while, he'd be better off coming back in like two months, a little rejuvenated, a little refreshed, and uh, feeling a little less overexposed on this television show. That's AEW Dynamite, a pretty good show. I thought main event was good, the eight-man tag was excellent, and then a lot of other stuff in the show was pretty good, but nothing special or nothing particularly memorable. Which takes us to WWE NXT, which opened with Candice LeRae against Mia Yim in a street fight. Candice LeRae, if you read my Voices of Wrestling predictions, I said she needed the win more, and she won. So there you go. It was your standard WWE street fight, like tables, kendo sticks, chairs, tables. You know, every WWE street fight you've ever seen. But it was intense and fun, and they did spears through tables, and a swinging neckbreaker off the top, which had a table on top of it, onto some chairs. They worked hard, they had a decent match. I'm not sure where they go next from here because EO against Tegan Knox is next week. Candice LeRae is probably not going to face the winner of that because the winner of that should be EO Shirai. So maybe a little Candice LeRae against Rhea Ripley feud? I don't think that would go astray, particularly Rhea Ripley who probably needs something a little meaningful at the moment after the bizarre Robbie E feud. So yeah, maybe Rhea and Candice for a while. I think that would, that would help both of them to kind of find some purpose on the show. But yeah, good opener. Bronson Reed squashed Tony Nese. Well, not quite squashed, but more or less. The intent was more or less a squash, but yeah. Then we go backstage where Shotzi Blackheart was turning down Robert Stone, and then Shotzi ran over Robert Stone with her tank. Uh, it's weird to see, like, full-on Robbie comedy on a wrestling show again. It's been a while. Like, if, if you watch TNA through the, 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 the aughts, what, what, what do we call the 2010s? Uh, whatever the whatever we call the 2010s uh, from 2010 to 2020 2017 not 2020 he left in 2017 from 2010 to 2017 there was a lot of Robbie comedy on impact and and not a lot of it was particularly good but here it is on NXT it's very strange I don't understand it Johnny Gargano defeated Isaiah Scott good match enjoyable match Scott's one of those guys who they gotta find something for him he's one of those guys who's been on this show having matches since the show's been on USA but he's never had a meaningful story and he's never had a meaningful push and like he probably should have lost to Johnny Gargano here and he did but god they gotta find something for Isaiah Scott they gotta give him something that he can sink his teeth into and not just be a guy who shows up and loses most of the time but Gargano won probably setting up Gargano and Keith Lee again at some stage you would imagine uh, I wonder what else could they do with the Johnny Gargano who else could they program him with like a program with Scott would be fine but they just had to beat him clean so where do you go from there I don't know but it was a good match it was an enjoyable match I like this match a lot actually I enjoy Johnny Gargano as a heel I'm, su- I'm surprised how much I enjoyed Johnny Gargano as a heel he's just like he's really 
good. He's much better as a dork you're supposed to think is a dork than a dork you're supposed to think is cool. That goes much better for him. Honestly disappointed in the Legato del Fantasma against Drake Maverick and Breezango match. I was expecting more from this and they worked a very traditional six-man tag where like they did a little flurry in the middle, got the heat and then went straight to the finish. And I was expecting some like wacky DJZ stuff and some wacky Raul Mendoza stuff and Spud showing tons of fire and it just wasn't really there. Like it built to a Spud hot tag, Spud got the hot tag and was put down with the Phantom Driver within like two minutes. And that's that was the match. It was I was disappointed in this because like the, the thing I'm most excited for with Legato del Fantasma is a potential trios match. Like all these potential trios matches should be interesting. Put them against Undisputed Era. Put them against just a bunch of wacky people on the NXT roster and deliver something interesting. But this match was not that. And if all of their trios matches are like this, I suddenly lose a lot of interest in Legato del Fantasma. But yeah, this was disappointing. They're still. I don't know how they get to a Maverick against Phantasma match because like Phantasma beat him here, Phantasma beat him up twice. So like, what are they building to here? How do you get Spud into that number one contender's position? I don't know the answer to that question. And it's not like Legato Fal- and it's not like Legato del Phantasma should be losing this match. It's their first match as a trio. They definitely should have lost it. But maybe at least pin Tyler Breeze and Fandango instead of pinning Spud. Mercedes Martinez squash Santana Garrett. Quick match. Martinez won. Solid match. But it was mostly just a squash. I think she's welcome in this division. And uh, it's like Eo's a heel. They're they're pushing too many heels at once. They have like Tegan Knox, Eo Shirai, Mercedes Martinez, and are the other one who won the match. Candice LeRae. There we go. They all have those. They have all those heels. They're kind of being pushed at once. But Eo's a heel, and the only baby face is like Rhea Ripley. So we'll see how that works out. Next week we will have Damian Priest against Cameron Grimes and Eo against Tegan Knox. Which brings us to our main event: Keith Lee defeated Adam Cole to win the NXT World Championship. In a good match, but nothing special. Nothing that you'll be like, this is one of the greatest NXT Championship matches of all time, because it wasn't. I thought it was a good match. Not a great match. But Keith Lee winning was the only decision they could possibly have made. And they made it. Keith Lee is now double champ. He's NXT and NXT North American champion. And this is where NXT hits a problem. Because Adam Cole should be moving up or moving on. So they either have to, I think, break up Undisputed Era and spend some time doing a big Undisputed Era split. Maybe with a big Adam Cole against Kyle O'Reilly or Adam Cole against Roderick Strong feud. Or they call Undisputed Era up as a foursome. As all four of them go up to the main roster, which is a big blow to NXT's roster. So I'm not sure what you do there. Adam Cole needs something new. He needs something fresh. He needs something interesting. Honestly, they've overstayed their welcome on NXT. They should have moved up probably six months ago. But, you know, NXT needs stars. They're in a ratings war. They need to have their hottest acts on the television show. But then, like, what what does NXT do next? Because, like, Karrion Cross is waiting in the wings. That's, I assume, Keith Lee's first program. They showed him watching the title win here. I'm not sure how you do that. Because you shouldn't have Keith Lee lose the title. Maybe you have Cross beat him for the North American title. Though I'm not sure how you finagle that. Uh, we'll see how that works out. And they can probably kill some time with a big Keith Lee against Finn Balor program. Because that's a fresh match and Balor's a big star. But after that, I don't know what you do. I don't know where you go after that. Like, Dexter Loomis isn't a star. They're, they have very, like, the Grimes and Priests and Scots of this brand aren't ready for those big main event positions. They haven't been pushed like main event players, so they're not ready to step up. So NXT's biggest problem now needs to be restocking that, like, mid-card level of people who can step up to challenge Keith Lee, because, like, Matt Riddle has moved on. 
he didn't get the big NXT crowning moment. He moved on before he could. And now I don't know what they do. Because, like, those are the people they should be pushing. The likes of Phantasma, the likes of Isaiah Scott, the likes of Trevor Lee, the likes of Damian Priest. Those are the people who should be stepping up into those positions, but I don't think they're ready to yet. Certainly not from a push perspective, probably a talent perspective. We'll, we'll see how that works out. That's, that's the next big NXT project, but for now, they had a nice moment. Keith Lee winning the championship, double champion, good night for NXT. Uh, I thought AEW was a better show on the whole. They had a better match, and I think... They had a more consistent show, but this was a much better episode of NXT than last week's. So at least NXT has that going for them. As I said, match of the night was the FTO and Young Bucks against Butcher and the Blade and Lucha Bros match. And show of the night, AEW, better show. And also the poll, I believe, as I have to open up Twitter very quickly, uh, also voted for AEW 80% to 20% with 439 votes. A lot of votes this week. So there you go. That's me, by myself, talking through AEW and NXT. Hopefully, next week, we'll be back to normal. Liam will be here, so we can do our regular podcast instead of this bizarre... Well, last week we did the bizarre co-host, not co-host podcast, and this week we thought we'd be back, but we're not. But at least you have me, and I'm your favourite, aren't I? Go to Discord and tell me how much I'm your favourite, because Liam won't listen this far into this podcast, and I won't blame him. So yeah, you have, to, you have to go to Discord and say, oh, thank God, it was a solo show with Garrett, so I didn't have to listen to Liam's takes. So if you've listened to this far in the podcast, go to Discord and do that, the Voices of Wrestling Discord. I think you can find, find a link on VoicesOfWrestling.com. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and bye-bye. <laughs>